1: Hi, and welcome to the official Good Morning Football Podcast. I'm Will Selva, and here are the best moments from this week so far at the Breakfast Table. Week 9 kept the action coming from a preview of a possible NFC Championship game to the Rodgers Brady sequel we've been waiting for since 2014. Let's find out what the Breakfast Table thought about some of the biggest games from Week 9.
2: Let's start with the Packers and the Patriots from just last night. What is the one thing that you sort of took away immediately after that game, Nate?
3: Well, we're looking at these highlights, and we want to use the word GOAT. Is it Drew Brees? Is it Tom Brady? Is it Aaron Rodgers? GOAT, GOAT, GOAT. And I feel like when it comes to Bill Belichick, let's go g coat Greatest coach of all time. Okay. Going into this game, they don't have Sonny Michelle. They don't have Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. And they still piece together a beautiful game plan in whatever way they can. It's almost like walking into a kitchen... And knowing that you need to go shopping but saying, I'm out to make the most delicious meal I can and everybody loves it. That's what he did. Cordell Patterson stands out to me. All of a sudden, I'm watching this game and he's playing running back and not just playing <laughs> running back, but playing running back at a high level. Now, here's the thing. You may think, well, he's an athlete Nate. He plays wide receiver. He's a returner. He can do it all. That's true. But you know how many times they had to put Cordell Patterson in the backfield at practice just so he can run the right place? There was no hiccups. Mm. There were no mistakes. Sweet there were no man. botched handoffs. That means that they had this planned all year and at the perfect time they put him back there and he was running through these holes as if he was playing running back for this team for the last couple of years. That right there is impressive to me and tells me about the preparation moving forward. G-Coat, greatest played, coach of all time.
4: Patterson played 13 offensive snaps and touched the ball on 12 of them. Oh, I cool. love that. Right? You'd think
3: he to... played 90 snaps. Well, right. yeah. 11 That's rushes, 61 amazing. yards, and a TD. That's efficiency for a guy who was known as a wide receiver bust and just a returner.
2: I'll add on to your Bill Belichick because it's what he does on the field but what he's involved in off the field as well. Him, Nick Cassario, the front office, all of those guys in making a trade for Josh Gordon for a fifth round pick. Twitter's going crazy yesterday because Gordon finally breaks out. He's got yeah. the 130 yards. He's got the big touchdown, a 55-yard touchdown at that. We're taking a look at it right now. He now has 100 more yards in two of the last three games. How, everyone's saying, how did we let this happen? No. How could we let the Patriots <laughs> get this sort of player? He's out there. He's not being a distraction. He scores a touchdown and is doing the shoot in the end zone. He's celebrating. He looks good, feels good, and this team feels a little bit different with Josh Gordon on the squad. So that was my big takeaway, adding an element of that course. they really didn't have before they finally... Uh, Pulled the trigger and trade for him.
4: It's funny. This game was GOAT versus GOAT, right? And to me, the guy who stood out for me is a name that probably no one knows. It's not G-O-A-T. It's G-U-Y. I thought Lawrence guy's play was the game changer and the true turning point of this one. If you guys remember, Marquez Valdez-Scantling made two big plays, a 26-yard catch, a 24-yard catch. And this game is tied. And the Packers are going in for the score. This is late in the third quarter. Going into the fourth quarter. And who makes the play? A guy named Lawrence Guy. If you haven't been watching the Patriots every week, Lawrence Guy's been their best defensive player all season long. And his story, fitting to the Patriots... Was with the Packers, was mm. with the Colts, was mm. with the Chargers, was with the Ravens. Patriots picked him up last year. He's a seventh round pick. No one had ever heard of him. And he makes the biggest play to me of the game between GOAT versus GOAT. You're so all right. It's the same way that James White makes the biggest plays in a Super Bowl when no one had heard of him all season. It's the same way that Chris Hogan makes the biggest play in an AFC championship game two years ago when no one had heard of him. Lawrence Guy makes yeah. the play, and that's the Patriot way.
3: The next guy. The fact that he was pursuing down Lance that guy. deep down the field, a big boy running, that right there says a lot about who he is in the Patriots. It's literally Patriots. the next guy up. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's like they're <laughs> laughing at
5: us. You know what I mean? Um, you know who's not laughing this morning? I, I have to, I have to be, keep it 100. Uh, is the Packers fans? And if I'm waking up this morning as a Packers fan, I'm just worried about these three words being attached to Aaron Rodgers, which are never going back. I'm worried, and I don't mean this season. Mm-hmm. This, I mean ever. I mean, it's it's time to talk about this because I feel like the whole joke about Marino never getting a Super Bowl is sort of like Rogers only getting one. You know what I mean? And we're, we're people who are like, if I hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl 45. If you're a Packers fan, I hope you bought the video and the commemorative coin and everything, because that might be the one. I'm thinking we won the the quarterback Powerball. We're the billion dollar winner, and we've only been one time. And I just don't look at this team as like, how are they getting there? How are they going? The Vikings and Bears aren't going anywhere. The Rams, the Eagles, the Panthers, the Saints. How are we, the Packers, getting through that grind? Because Roger's contract is massive. I don't know if Charles is necessarily come showing up as a free agent. We got an old tight end. We got one really good wide receiver. What about the Packers, other than their great quarterback, says Super Bowl team? I don't see it. Yeah. You see a bottle of wine, and it reaches, gets better and better, and then it reaches its peak years. The peak years, and then it starts to fall off. Aaron Rodgers is in the peak years. He has been for five years. He has been for a few more drink the thing or it's going to fall off the shelf you, are we <laughs> as a media yeah.
4: are we a national are we are we Aaron Rodgers' apologists at some point does it Ooh. do we say to Rodgers hey you got, maybe you should win this game. Maybe it should be new. Maybe you should find a way. I think
5: that. And then I see a big Aaron Jones fumble down the stretch when they're going to take the lead. I, I don't see Rodgers losing games. He just doesn't do it. And I just feel like it's help. And maybe it's McCarthy. And they're going to have some business with soon. I will him say, soon. I didn't
2: like waking up this morning and seeing Aaron Rodgers trending instead of Tom Brady mm-hmm. and the Patriots. They won. They've won six straight. And like the, it was Aaron Rodgers that was trending with all this conversation about that and his legacy, which we will discuss more on Good Morning Football yeah. just ahead. Cam and company sitting at six and two. But there's some key matchups. You got the Saints in weeks 15 and week 17. Thank you, scheduling yeah, people. Yeah,
4: scheduling gods. Howard like Katz, that. what's that about? I mean, the Saints famously
2: <laughs> beat them how many times last year?
4: And they beat them three times. Three
2: last times, year. times yeah, right. last year. So we're excited to see that, of course. But let's chew on this right now. What is it that is making the Panthers so good on both sides of the ball? They're only one game back from the Saints. And I feel like they could definitely make some waves in the NFC.
3: Well, it starts with the franchise guy, Cam Newton. He's playing at a high level. Last year, he was a little banged up going into the season, and he kind of caught fire towards the middle of the year. And by the end of the season, we were talking about the Panthers as being one of the hottest teams. This year, he comes into the season healthy. He has a host of his guys that are there, the skill players, the running backs. And he can make every throw in the book. I think it's a very underrated part of his game because when he's not on, you say, well, he's a little unorthodox with the way he delivers the ball. Sometimes he's off balance. No, he's just that strong that he can sit back and throw off his back leg. He can throw opposite direction when he's facing one direction, and he can deliver the ball in any window that he sees fit. And the offense is tailored around not just his arm, his strength, his athletic ability, but also the skill players. The creativity within his office is as good as his post-game outfit. So for me, I'm looking at Cam Newton and what he brings to the table, and I think – we're not talking about him enough. We talk about all these other quarterbacks. like I say all the time, it's fast food football. Right. We eat one meal and we want mm. the next. How about we appreciate a guy that's done it before, a former MVP of this league, and right now playing at a high He's level. Playing
4: great, and the Saints are this. Te- are these teams that you know you can't beat the Saints and Chiefs at home? Mm-hmm. They don't. Do you know who has the longest home game winning oh, streak? Who's that? The Panthers have won ten straight. Really? Up. Keep pounding. Keep pounding. The Panthers get the job done. And I'll tell you this. You know, there's a lot of acquisitions in the league this season. We've seen the trade deadline come and go. I think Eric Reed might have been the best acquisition mm. in all of football this season. He played through a shoulder sprain yesterday, he got the game ball, had the first interception, set the momentum going, and then it got out of control. And afterwards, he talked openly about his own story and obviously the way he's affecting the team and Kaepernick. Like he's mm-hmm. talking. Mm-hmm. Right. There was this thought that you put Eric Reed in a, on a in a locker room, mm-hmm. it's going to combust. It's poison to it's the poisoned. locker room. He's going to talk about the national anthem, whatever. They put Eric Reed in the middle of the American South. Talk, in about, Carolina, it. talk mm-hmm, about it. Carolina. Talk about it, right? Playing for a guy. Ron Rivera, who's a military man. Talk about and it. Eric Reed is playing as well as any safety in the NFL. So, awesome. kudos to Eric Reed. Kudos to the Panthers organization, and kudos to that team that keeps on yeah. pounding quietly. You're right. We don't yeah. talk about the Panthers a lot. They're right on the Saints heels. I
2: like the Saints, and I'm scared. I'm. I don't want to see the Panthers. Mm-hmm. I'm scared to. I'm. Uh-uh. They are so stout, and everybody's sort of stepping up. You have. Veterans like Cam Newton, Greg Olson out there doing his thing, but I want to focus on two young cats who I think are bringing the energy. Christian McCaffrey aside, last year I was so excited about Curtis Samuel's rookie season. I, I kept thinking 750 on the ground, 750 through the air. He did that his senior year in college, and I can't wait to see what he's doing because he's being overshadowed by a first rounder named Christian McCaffrey. Injuries took him out of the game, they took him out of that possibility. He's missed 13 out of. 24 games in his career, but here he is, a breakout game. He's had a couple really nice moments so far this season, but he scored on the ground. He scored through the air. He's doing exactly what we thought he'd be doing. And if he's stepping up alongside Christian McCaffrey, who looks unstoppable out there, this team is legit scary. The other young guy I want to talk about, we had D'Angelo Hall on our show on Friday. We also had Mike Adams on as a guest, veteran, of course, for the Panthers defense. D'Angelo Hall was like, we got to ask him about Dante Jackson. We have, to, we have to wedge a question in there. It was important to, to him because he, he's a special player, yeah. and that's exactly what Mike Adams said, special, special player. So when I'm watching football yesterday, all I'm doing is, let me ask you this Dante Jackson's talking about. He has four interceptions that is tied for the league lead, and, of course, he has the game-sealing pick yesterday to get the win off of Fitz. Fitz throws interceptions, and Dante Jackson catches them. He's now allowing the, what is it, the fifth Fifth lowest passer rating mm. against, not among rookie cornerbacks, among all cornerbacks. It's mm. incredible. Yeah.
5: So much to be scared about. We're all talking about being scared of the Panthers and Jackson and McCaffrey. Cam's throws, obviously, the defense. For me, it's very simple. The litmus test for Carolina is so simple. as just, what's Cam's vibe? What is his <laughs> body language? When he starts to do the celebrations, yeah. you start to see 2016. Cam is so mercurial in terms of his emotions that when he's down, he's down. When he's up, he's up. As it pertains to the relationship with his new coordinator, North Turner, which Peter was all over in the offseason, how's it going? How's that relationship going? Are they getting along? Are they busting each other's chops? Watch the postgame.
3: What's up, coach? What's up, baby? Um, How you feel? I feel all right. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be a good game today, all right? You know, stay focused. All right. Boom. Then when I score a touchdown, it's, oh, I love it. So, (laughs) so, that's it.
5: That's what I'm scared of. You can know on any highlight. I'm scared of Cam being so happy. Talk about it. Really? And so comfortable that he's doing impressions. You don't even talk about the outfit. I also appreciate the deep cut. Like, everybody does a walk in, yeah. a Schwarzenegger. I North and Turner. There's probably young people watching who are like, Who's North Turner? <laughs> what does he talk like? I don't remember him from any stage of his career. I'm picturing an audience of like Rivers and Aikman, like loving that. Loving but no one else. <laughs> way back from the Dallas. <laughs> What's up, baby? If Cam is having that good of a time with this odd couple coordinator, watch the hell out, baby.
3: You know what that. That reminds me of a bully holding a little kid's head while he's smiling. (laughs) When Cam's doing that, he's about to bully the league. Look out. Watch out.
2: He doesn't have to do it all on his own. That defense now has ten forced interceptions over the last five games. Ram Saints, this one went down. I think it was the most exciting game maybe of the year. I Mm. loved it. Blow for blow. Yeah. Had to score on every driver. You were sunk. What was your biggest takeaway, gents?
4: Mine is that this Saints team... Is, do, is playing chess and everyone else is playing checkers. I mean, that was an insane way to start the game. They put up 35 points the most of the Rams have ever given up in the first half of the season, and I, I did the whole season, in the first half. And, yeah, the Rams came back. And initially I was like, I was impressed with how the Rams fought back, but I can't in good conscience not give the Saints so much love this morning for just blowing out what I thought was the best team in football mm-hmm. in that first half mm-hmm. and setting the tone. After the game, I thought the quotes were so interesting. Jim Trotter did a great article for NFL.com. And Demario Davis called Drew Brees the goat. And then they asked Alvin Kamara, well, what was going on? And he says, well, it's like Mike, T- Mike Tyson in his prime right now. The Saints players view Drew Brees like mm. he's in some sort of zone right now that we don't hear at the table necessarily talk about. Yeah. He is so dialed in that while we're talking Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff and we're going nuts about what Rodgers and Brady did last night, Brees is having one of those years. I just think the Saints at home – I know they lost week one to the Buccaneers. I think this is a totally different team. They're unbeatable, Mm -hmm. and Drew Brees might be unstoppable.
2: But with the Rams and how they played, do you think if it was in L.A., the Rams win?
4: It's a great question, and I think last night might be the tiebreaker if it does come down to that. It'll go back to the Dome. If it goes back to L.A., you know, the Rams beat the Saints in L.A. last year. It's different teams, but, man, the Saints. And and with so much swagger Mm. and so much bravado, it
5: is... It is something to behold in that building.
2: And they're in the driver's seat now. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, they got knocked
5: off last year on a fluke miracle play. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they're coming correct from that. Let's talk about this Michael Thomas. Let's talk about another (laughs) millennial on his phone, as always. I want to get into this because the phone celebration, for those of us who remember 2003 Joe Horn, it stopped the show. So he comes out and he does it. There's many more interesting things about this you might not know about. First of all, he did refer to it after the game as a, quote, Obama phone, which goes back to a program Obama had for low-income subscribers where they would get a phone. I also love this. Um, He said he got it in a, quote, hole-in-the-wall liquor store. He found, he found them. And this is my favorite part. We always talk about committing. Go all in. Michael Thomas put a phone under both goalposts, on both ends of the field. Did he really? Should he score on the one that just you have? Say, Nate he, loves this. he bought two phones at the liquor store to cover his bases. Here's where I come out, though, in comparison to Joe Horn. It's like a great cover song that he's playing. What I wish you would have done is, like all the great covers, you put your own spin on it a little bit. It is very funny that he had the flip phone. However... If he had pulled out a smartphone under there and brought it in and selfied with his teammates uh. and then tweeted the picture in the middle of the game, that pays homage to Horn and makes it his own. And it would give that Ellen Oscar selfie a run right. for its money yeah. and most retweeted thing ever. We've That's been the waiting only thing for a selfie. We've been waiting for it. And listen. I don't know, I expect he'll, he'll probably get fined. Yeah. I got fined $30,000 in 2003. It was his second
2: infraction, though. Second infraction. The first one would have been half that, which Here's is what we're thing. expecting him to the do. the
5: The only thing I didn't like about Horns, as we're watching it here... Aaron Brooks, hello. Aaron Brooks, we love you. Horn gets out and he kind of just fakes like he's dialing. He doesn't really call someone. The T.O. pen was so beautiful because it had a beginning, middle, and an end. He had a plan, he signed it, he handed it to someone. Horn gets it out, and then he he mocks like he's doing a fake phone call, which always felt really flat to me. It's why I felt he was inferior to T.O. I love what Michael Thomas did, in a sense, because it cracked me up on my couch. I think next time, make it your own. Go with the smartphone selfie. It, then it's massive.
3: <laughs> Joe Horn is the legend for that. though. What would
5: Joe Horn say about this? Shout out you
2: to Joe Horn. Celebrate at all there so for him to do that. I can't even imagine. It was so crazy. taboo.
3: And on top of that, Mike Thomas—he knows he's not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to have props. He's going to get fined. But sometimes you got to get fined to shine. Just like <laughs> I get said. penalized,
4: and the Rams come right down and score. Right? Like...
3: <laughs> I it is
5: it. interesting Listen. looking at Peyton on the sideline because he was pissed. And if I was, I'd be like, Coach, you had a broom in the. You <laughs> Had line, a broom. In right? it. Yeah. You
2: yeah, know what yeah, I mean? And, man, and like, for people that are senior sideline right? antics love you. For people School. that are
3: in their feelings saying, I don't know about that. Cool. <laughs> are
2: there people? Uh,
3: <laughs> yeah, oh, but they work. We're doing duck, duck, goose and choreography these days. Right. Really? A guy putting a phone in there. All right. If we'll they lost, it
2: might be a little bit. It's all good. Yeah. Hey,
3: Mike Thomas, I see you, bro. Um, Who shined for you? For me, it's Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara had himself a day. And it's because I saw three different types of running backs in him. And I, I, I know people don't like comparing certain guys to players from the past. But check this out right here. This run right here, patience of a. 2017 Le'Veonville, right? Little hesitation, little vision. He can sit back, he can pick apart the defense, stop his feet, chop, and then go. Great vision, great patience on that. And then the route running, catching out of the backfield. This is Marshall Falk in 1999. Mm -hmm. You see the way he chopped his feet? That's a DB right there. Running up on him, getting open, exploding, and then what he always does, jogging to the end zone. And then the power running right here. This is power running like, um, let's just say, a... 2018 Todd Gurley, mm. just straight downhill. Oftentimes, tired to of get the ball, he's going north and south. So in one game, I saw Le'Veon Bell, Marshall Falk, Todd Gurley. And this is a guy who doesn't always get all the shine. This is a guy who yeah. shares the backfield with Mark Ingram. This is a guy that isn't really talked about as one of the best in the game. My opinion, Todd Gurley is the best running back in football. Alvin Kamara Alvin is grabbing at the back of his jersey right now. And when he gets hot, there's not a lot of people that can keep up with him because he can do it all. He can route up a DB mm-hmm. as a running back. You know how difficult that is? Most running backs can be the linebacker, can be the safety. But you line up most D- running backs against DBs, yeah. they're not going to cook like Alvin Kamara does.
2: And he's so slippery, and he makes it look so easy. He was out there hurt, I don't even know if we have the tape. It wasn't in the highlight. He hurdles yeah. the guy standing straight up. He's like a six-foot defender. It's (laughs) unbelievable to me. And I love that he outshined Gurley on a huge stage because Gurley's always been a star. He was all throughout college. It's Todd Gurley. Alvin Kamara, it didn't work out at Alabama. He went back. Went to community college, then goes to Tennessee. Dan Halley of NFL Network told me yesterday, still even at Tennessee, relatively an unknown. Nobody thought that that was the path he was going to take to start him like he has yep. now. And, that, you know, he was even sharing a backfield. He gets taken in the third round, and then he's buried on a depth chart, and they bring in a veteran in Adrian Peterson mm-hmm. with right. Mark Ingram. Works his way to being a bona fide star with 12 touchdowns this season. That is the third most in the National Football League. And he makes it look so easy and so fun. And he's my favorite running back in the game right now. He's incredible.
5: Now. Oh. As a running back, it's a tie I would love to see Kamara versus McCaffrey in the playoffs because they're exactly what you're talking about. They yeah. both do everything. They're like the wave of the future, not the bell cow, like the perfect weapon.
4: Can I say one thing about the Rams? I was looking for their Achilles heel. That defensive backfield was
5: horrendous yeah. last
4: night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Marcus Peters got lit up and the other guys have been stepping up, but... They, missed they Tlaib. need. They miss Talib, but Talib hasn't been there for a while, no. and they've been getting beaten a lot. Oh, no, Peters. That defensive backfield needs to get right because teams like the Saints and the Vikings we'll who already that. let them up. They will expose that, and with a week to prepare, it. they will pick on those guys. The, mm-hmm. sa- the Rams need to get their defense right, and the Chiefs are coming up very quickly. So week 11,
2: there. Mexico City. Yes,
4: two weeks from now, they got the Seahawks, and then they've They're got the Raiders. Scheduling
2: God did us. A- Go. Did as good this year. Mm. Four straight wins, gentlemen. They're looking good. They're in first place. They are kings of the north, yeah. as you said. Uh, are they officially back on track, guys? Or are they headed towards a, a deep playoff run? Oh,
4: the Steelers are scary right now. The Steelers are scary right now. When they lost early on in the season and we were all picking apart what's wrong and the chemistry and who's talking about who, Steelers just went into Baltimore and took care of business against their rivals in a game that their rivals needed. This is a kind of team that... When they get going, watch out. We saw it a couple years ago. They won eight straight in that thing. Mm-hmm. And Mike Tomlin has those guys dialed in. I'm scared of the Steelers if I'm the rest of the AFC. That includes the Chiefs, who they beat. That includes mm. the Patriots, who they always had their number. Okay. Steelers are rolling. And I do think, and I know we talk about Le'Veon Bell a lot for a guy who doesn't play with I do think it will be a positive if he gets on the lineup because they can use him any way they want. Agree. And he's ready to go.
3: No I, question. Steelers scare me. No question. It definitely will be a positive for the offense You get one of the best running backs in the game. On the field, and just imagine that backfield if you have James Conner and Le'Veon Bell, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, and Antonio Brown, the host of tight ends and wide receivers to complement those guys. It's funny, though, because we had this conversation early in the year. It seemed like things were going south for the Steelers. Le'Veon wasn't there. They didn't have a rhythm. They tied the Browns. And I remember us posing a question here on the show. Do you think it's over for the Steelers, or do you think at some point they'll self-correct and get things right? And I don't necessarily remember where we stood but here they are self-correcting and fixing things. And James Conner being the pillar to this offense and the balance to this offense, this team is scary because in the beginning of the season, Antonio Brown didn't even have a rhythm yet. This guy starts running the ball. He puts teams in a position where they have to respect it. At first, they sat back and said, you know what? Let's make sure A.B., Juju Smith-Schuster, Big Ben don't beat us. We can let James Conner have a game. He's not having a game. Mm -hmm. He's not having a day or a week. My man is having himself a season. Double-digit touchdowns, doing it in the air like we're seeing now. I was watching the game, and he did everything that Le'Veon does. Showed the vision, showed the patience, hard those runs, dipping his shoulder in the chest of defenders. And then Big Ben scrambled out, and he looked at James as he's, he's right over the middle of the field, and he ad a little bit and takes it up and he hits him over the middle. That right there is a running back that knows exactly what this offense is about. So, for me, I'm looking at these guys, and yes, to answer your question, Kay, these guys will be in the playoffs. And if they keep getting hot the way they are, they'll be trending upward the rest of the season, and they can smack some teams up in the playoffs.
2: They're for real, and I love love that you're talking about the adjustments they've sort of made on offense. How about their defense? They Mm -hmm. started slow, Mm -hmm. we know that, but since week five on, they've been the number two ranked defense. In the National Football League, including the number one run defense. They're stopping everybody. Hilton being back, of course. T.J. Watt, guys, has seven sacks, nine tackles for loss. Both top ten in the league. A huge test for them. I cannot say enough how excited I am for Thursday Night Football. Me too. It is the Steelers. And the Panthers, who are clicking on all cylinders when offensively. On. When it's on. It's on, Kay. Steelers, Panthers, it's Thursday night.
5: Huge game. And there's just something with Pittsburgh, that, something called brand recognition. When you go to the grocery store and you open the cooler, and your eyes just go to the beer, whatever it is that you're into. And there might be better ones. There might be ones, But you've been drinking this one for years, and it's always there for you, and they don't change the formula. Whatever it may be. That's the Steelers. They just have brand recognition. They do self-correct. You cannot knock them over. They haven't had a losing season 15 years in the most competitive league in the world. So early on, it's all, well, the on drama, James Conner, and Tony. Steelers. Every, the answer to every question is just Steelers because that's their company. They are going to win the North. They are going to go to the playoffs, and then they're going to lose to the Patriots because they're the
3: Steelers. That's the brand. Because so, that's
2: the question. The Patriots. So
3: you're saying with all that hype, you look in the refrigerator and they're yeah. like
2: Ravens. Oh yeah! yeah. And
3: then that one kid in the back like, the purple I want yellow stuff. That yellow
5: stuff. <laughs> I <want>
4: that yellow <laughs> that <laughs>
3: black and yellow stuff. So just
5: the Ravens the- are purple. So like, they're oh, the I think the sunny day. We're not talking about <laughs> Patriots. We're not talking about the
4: Bengals at all. And they, they beat the Bengals. Nah. The Bengals.
5: Bengals look good though. Nah. Same brand recognition there too, right? right? Unless you you completely wildly change the brand, it's the Steelers brand, and my eyes go right to it, and I buy it every time.
2: There we go. Enjoy that during this break. Can't wait. Cowboys cannot seem to protect Dak Prescott with the game on the line. He's been sacked 21 times in the second half this season, the most of any quarterback in the league. So Dallas had a bye week. They had a lot of time to get set for this game, and they didn't show up at home under the bright lights. We have to, unfortunately, dish out some blame. Who's okay. to blame for this loss? And I feel like if I'm looking at it and if I'm a quarterback in the NFL, I want to play for the Cowboys. I want a star running back. He has that. And Zeke Elliott, who, granted, he's been struggling late in the offensive line, hasn't been great. I want a number one wide receiver, which he now has in Amari Cooper. I want an offensive line that maybe isn't playing as well as they played my rookie year, but that's still good. I just feel like it's getting a little bit harder to make. Um, understandable excuses for Dak Prescott. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, he pretty much had... They have the number one ranked defense going into this game as well. So, to me, there's a lot of blame to go around. But a play like this in the first quarter... I mean, the Titans had to be salivating seeing Dak Prescott. I just don't know how you can blame anybody else for this... Into double coverage shot to Amari Cooper. I don't know if it's forcing him the ball. Nate, tell me what's going on here and what he saw. Because this this is – I don't know how to blame anybody else.
3: Yeah, he's trying to give his wide receiver, his new wide receiver, a chance to go up and get it. When you're a true number one, uh, that's not a bad pass. I mean, he could have actually tucked it away and ran with it. But you look at Calvin Johnson, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, those guys are getting that same ball thrown to him. I'm not sure that Amari Cooper was able to gather his feet – stop and go up and grab yeah. that ball like Dak Prescott assumed. But you're right, though, okay? I mean, at the very least, you're the decision maker. So if you feel like your wide receiver can't come down with it, you got to tuck that ball away and live to play another down.
2: I just like when the Cowboys are good and competitive and I thought they would win at home. The mm-hmm. Titans' offense was so anemic. They had the best defense. It did not happen that way.
3: Yeah, it's better for the league when the Cowboys are good. You know, I, I issued a statement to Scott Linehan early in the season. I said – You know, I want to see the creative side of this offense. Oftentimes, in certain situations, they say cooler heads prevail. Well, in the NFL, creative minds prevail. And we're seeing that more often week in and week out. You look at the offenses that we love, the Saints, the Rams, the Chiefs. It seems like week in and week out, they're reinventing themselves. So, for me, I'm looking at this team. It has to start with them. It starts with Garrett, and it starts with Scott Linehan.
4: Now, you played for Scott Linehan. Does he have that in his bag? Like, he does. Can you
3: just make that happen in week 10? I don't see it happening. He does, but the I think what stops him from doing that is the turnover in players. When you have guys that know the system, that knows the coaches, that knows the game plan, and you can kind of mix things up mm-hmm. week in and week out, it's easier for you to do that. But when you lose a Jason Witten, a Dez Bryant, and now you're kind of getting guys in and out, you just got Amari Cooper, I mean, how difficult of an offense can you implement when you have a guy who just put on the jersey a week I don't know.
4: ago? I feel like a lot of teams deal with injuries. A lot of teams throw quarter back into the mix and for Dak Prescott to be the starting quarterback for the third season, for Ezekiel Elliott to be there for the third season, for all those offensive lines, for us to still see that brand of football from the Dallas Cowboys is inexcusable. So I'll point to coaching and I'll take great pleasure pleasure in doing this. But the Cowboys were just one for four in the red zone. The three possessions where they didn't score, they missed a field goal, chippy. They had an interception that you saw. okay, just showed that Dak Prescott one turn was completely inexcusable. Any quarterback knows not to throw the ball into double coverage in the red zone like that. And three, they had a turnover on downs in the last drive of the game where it was just they threw a, a crazy halfback pass. They threw all sorts of strange stuff. Mm-hmm. They also allowed the Titans to convert 80% of their third downs. So 11 of 14 times the Titans had third down and converted first downs. That is a poorly coached team. That's a poorly disciplined team. And that is a team that on Monday Night Football in front of a national audience with a home crowd with
5: all of the bells and whistles and Jason Witten
4: crying Mm. on the air laid an egg. And that is not a playoff team. And that means that we have to start anew and figure out what's wrong. I agree.
5: And look, we're in the golden age of offense and creativity and there's Goff and Mahomes. Yesterday, we saw Norv Turner, who was the Cowboys offensive coordinator 30 years ago, calling a double reverse Mm. to his best weapon and work perfectly. My wife and I do game night. We're at the stage of our lives. We do game night and Chardonnay and Scattergories. We can do a game on Monday night. We bring our friends over and close your eyes. Just guess what play the Cowboys run. Is it Zeke left or Zeke right and then a five-yard pass on third and nine? Yes, it is. It is so tediously predictable. And Amari Cooper is a fine player. I'm sure he'll be really good. It's not like this massive metamorphosis that we're going to see. Be bad, just don't be boring and predictable because that right now, it is like 1925 right now.
2: Crazy thing is, NFC East is still open. Talk really, about they it. They could easily That's still it. turn it around, reinvent themselves. I know they had a lot of preparation coming off a of bye, but the division, yeah. they're still well, relevant. This
4: is the year to be a mediocre team in the NFC East, if there ever was one. This is the season. I, I just don't know if they're better than the Eagles
1: or the Redskins. And- we hope you exercise your civic duty. As we know, the midterm elections are long over, but the race for MVP is just starting to heat up. Let's hear the campaign speeches from the headquarters of Todd Gurley, Drew Brees, and Patrick Mahomes.
2: I'm Kay Adams, reporting live from the GMFB Election Center. We're more than halfway through the season, and the MVP campaign is heating up among the top three candidates. Todd Gurley, Drew Brees, and Patrick Mahomes have all made a strong case for the most valuable player, and we have representatives from each campaign joining us this morning. There's a huge grassroots movement taking shape in the Midwest, so let's go live to the Cunningham Ridge Community Center outside Arrowhead Stadium, where our own Peter Schrager, chief strategist for the Patrick Mahomes campaign, is addressing an enthusiastic crowd. Peter, take Welcome, it away. Welcome,
4: everybody. Welcome. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart was just 17 years old when he was appointed the chief musician at the Salzburg court. S.E. Hinton was just 19 years old when she wrote the legendary coming-of-age novel, The Outsiders. Damien Chazelle wrote the screenplay for Whiplash when he was just 27. (laughs) And Patrick Mahomes at 23 belongs in the same breath as all of these artists and phenoms. This is Mozart on the gridiron. This is Picasso in the red zone. This is Hamlish between the hashes. (laughs) A message to all voters on this very important 2018 election day. Don't be scared of our youth. Don't be afraid to crown the young. Don't Ah. discount the prodigies and the phenoms and the absolute... For in this 2018 season, age truly is only a number. Mahomes, he's just a kid, right? Well, whereas art is a rather subjective medium, the craft of quarterbacking is not. And Patrick Mahomes has eight straight games of 300-plus passing yards, tied for the most in a single season in NFL history. He is the only quarterback in NFL history to pass for at least 3,000 yards in his first 10 games. And Patrick Mahomes... All 23 years of him is on pace, oh my, oh my God, I can't even say, that. he's on pace to throw for five, yeah. Yeah. yards and 52 touchdowns, pure numbers, it would just be one of the greatest quarterback seasons anyone has ever had in the 99 year history of the National Football League, <laughs> but those are just individual accolades, how's his team doing? Well, Kansas City is 8-1. They're atop the AFC standings, and their only loss came to the defending conference champions in their building. And, oh, in that game, Patrick Mahomes only threw for 352 yards and four touchdowns, threw his team on the back, went toe-to-toe with the greatest of all time, and had everyone gasping for air afterwards. Oh, and Tom Brady, the guy he lost to, last year's MVP? In 2017, with his MVP season, Tom Brady had 32 touchdown passes. He won the MVP. It's Week 10, and Patrick Mahomes... Has 29! Hey! Trust me, I get it. I'm a traditionalist too. Mm. And as a student of the game's rich history, I don't love crowning guys prematurely. He usually needs a resume. He usually needs some warts, some bruises before we hand him the hallowed MVP award but it's not like we haven't done it before. Jim Brown won the MVP at 21. Then he won it again at 22. That's right. Walter Payton won it at 23. And Dan Marino, also a second-year quarterback, did it at 23 as well. So don't be fooled into thinking Patrick Mahomes is not worthy of this honor because he didn't earn it with years and years of waiting and wanting. After all, he is undoubtedly the most valuable player in the league in the 2018 season. And in the spirit of Picasso, in the spirit of Mozart, I leave you with this masterpiece in slow motion from Sunday. Maybe the most beautiful (laughs) (laughs) class
5: seen in an NFL (laughs) game.
4: There was one inch where he could throw that. He found that inch. This man is an artist. He is a phenom. He is a true revelation. So, ladies and gentlemen, on election day, do what's right. Go to bat for Pat. Yay! Yeah!
2: (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely well said by Peter Schrager. They're with a crowd outside of Arrowhead. That is why they call you the chief strategist. See what I did there? All right, let's go live to Rotary Club on Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, right outside L.A. Memorial Coliseum. There is so much excitement out on the West Coast brewing for this candidate. Barack O'Burleson, <laughs> uh, campaign spokesperson for Gurley 2018, is set to take the stage. Thank you, Kay. Barack.
3: Thank you. Uh, now, now here's, here's the deal. Uh, Todd Gurley, he leads the NFL in rush attempts, which shows his durability. Now, make no mistake about it, he is a true four-down RB1. Most rushing yards in rushing TDs proves he's cut from that old-school cloth. (laughs) Let me be clear. (laughs) He's also a receiver, no-skill player. Touches the ball more than him, his total yards and TDs from scrimmage. It it makes the running backs from these other two teams look like Ren Stimpy. Uh, Now, (laughs) listen, he has 16 TDs so far this season. It will not be easy to break Ladainian Thomas's (laughs) record of 31. Can he do it? Yes, he can. Yeah. Uh, Now, now my, my candidate doesn't like to criticize opponents, but I think it should be known that there's certain things people are saying about the competition. So let's start with the candidate down in New Orleans, Mr. Drew Brees. Check this out. (laughs) How much can you really trust Drew Brees? He's been a part of 66% of the TDs since he got to the Saints. Selfish much? He even played for two different teams. Who are you really rooting for, Drew? A record-breaking QB up for MVP? Sounds more like a broken record.
0: It's time to grab the broom of change and clean up this MVP race. In Todd, we trust. This message has been approved by Todd Gurley for MVP.
3: (laughs) And and, and that's just one of the guys trying to say he's better than the candidate, uh, Todd Gurley. Now listen to Word Around Town about this young guy out in Kansas City. Looking for experience, a workhorse. Consistency That don't look at the QB in Kansas City Patrick Mahomes has been called Elusive Others call it
5: Slippery We've seen him employ tricks To find the end zone
3: over and over again A strong arm you say? How about a strong supporting cast? 30% of his completions are behind the
5: line of scrimmage Vote for the guy who gets it done himself In
3: Todd, we trust. 29 touchdowns. Six of those are behind the line of scrimmage. Give me a break. Now, listen, aren't you tired of quarterbacks dominating this war? How about change versus more of the same? So vote for change, vote for Mm -hmm. Gurley. In Todd, we trust.
2: Well said, Barack Burleson. This is ridiculous. Of course, we give all three candidates equal time here on Good Morning Football. The excitement in New Orleans is palpable for their veteran candidate. Uh, Kyle Brandt, consultant for the M.V. Breeze campaign, joining us now from the Benjamin Franklin High School gymnasium in the French Quarter. Kyle.
5: Yes, what a beautiful crowd here. We love to see the people. We love to talk about democracy And clearly Burleson inhaled. Today I speak for a chief (laughs) that is actually worth hailing. It is my great honor to represent, ladies and gentlemen, the twenty eighteen NFL MVP, Mr. Drew Brees. But first, as you might expect, a word on his alleged opponents. Todd Gurley. We're going to waste the time of the American people with a running back? That is like a third-party candidate. Cool campaign. Now step aside for the gentleman who can actually win this thing. Todd Gurley is just Ralph Nader with better footwork. (laughs) And what, (laughs) may I ask, is this? What in the hell is this? All that's missing from this image is a flat suit and a mission-accomplished banner. My message (laughs) to the people, you do not want a benevolent MVP. No, you want a leader who will punish defenses with impunity and eradicate enemies. Yet I see that clip, and I learn that even with the warm climate, there are snowflakes in Los Angeles. (laughs) You know, the White House had a Todd once in the 1860s. She was also part of a play that ended prematurely. (laughs) Not pretty at all. And then there's Patrick Mahomes, textbook fresh-faced candidate that is just a rep for the political machine. Because you see, Mr. Mahomes is a liar. He is a liar, classic politician who cannot keep campaign promises. The people were promised deep balls. Mr. Mahomes promised the American people that he can throw the ball 80 yards. Has he even thrown one 80 feet? Because 13 (laughs) of his 29 touchdowns have been thrown within five yards of the line of scrimmage. I'm not sure where you come out politically, but I look at Mahomes' team, weak on defense, no big bombs. I guess the league has a lefty quarterback after all. (laughs) Drew Brees, however, is a man in the center. A man of faith, represents saints, and who has witnessed miracles. An American dream raised in the South, educated in the Midwest, five terms on the West Coast, and now a luminary on the Gulf Coast. (laughs) Take Drew Brees off the saints. They still have bags on their heads. You take Mahomes off the Chiefs, Alex Smith still has them in the playoffs. What's the dang difference? <laughs> and in this era, of all things, we look to family. We look to family. These are the Breeze children. I believe their names are Daylin, Baylin, Waylin, and Kalen. <laughs> Notice there's no failing and no Palin, because we're all winners in the Breeze family, <laughs> just like their daddy. Do Mr. Uh... Breeze opponents even have children? No, they are children. The perfect quarterback, the perfect MVP, the only blemish on the face of this candidate is an actual blemish on the face of this candidate, and we urge you to come and join Team Breeze on this journey because we're going to Cincinnati and to Pittsburgh and to Tampa and Carolina and then we're going to Atlanta to take back the Lombardi. Yeah! On election day, you ask who that. I say Drew dat, and I approve this message.
2: Yeah!
5: God bless America.
2: Drew dat. Fine, Fine speech.
5: Fine speech. Fine speech. Well done.
1: Guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something way worse, guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for ED online. Roman is a one-stop shop where licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose ED and ship medication right to your door. With Roman, there are no waiting rooms, awkward face-to-face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. All you have to do is visit GetRoman.com GoodMorning, fill out a brief medical onboarding, chat with a doctor, and get FDA-approved ED meds delivered to your door in discreet, unmarked packaging. Erectile dysfunction is a problem that most guys don't tackle, but with Roman, it's easy to take care of. For a free online visit, go to GetRoman.com GoodMorning. That's GetRoman.com GoodMorning for a free online visit. All of them giving compelling arguments to vote for their candidate now the league is full of personalities who don't usually get the run they deserve and that's where good morning football always comes in let's find out the stories we should have been paying attention to with this week's underappreciated storylines
2: underappreciated storylines is what we call them okay may i go first
1: oh yeah let me get comfortable come on now
2: just going to have some fun here. No, all right. I'm not going to get comfortable. I want to turn it up here at the breakfast table a okay. little bit. For my underappreciated this week, I really wanted to sort of show some love to a couple guys who are raising the bar for celebrations okay. of late. And I'm not talking about Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, or anyone mm-hmm. on the offensive side of the ball, even at all. The guys who are killing it with celebrations this year are all on defense. Let's take a look at the video evidence that we conjured here. Defensive celebrations started to get hot back in week five. We all saw this. It was the old tip drill. Globetrotters, right?
3: This was awesome. Mm-hmm. I really wish we did Nelly, tip drill. Nelly. After the
2: intercepted Blake Bortles in Ugh. the end zone. Pretty solid. We showed it on this show a few times. But things have really kicked into gear this last week. Exhibit A. Peter's favorite player, Cassius Marsh. Oh, yeah, of the Cass. Niners, he sacks Derek Carr. So Garoppolo
4: was
3: better than Brady, okay?
2: Yep, on Thursday night. <laughs> and he shows us his inner Chuck Norris. He, yeah. Whoa. 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 Oh, Did you dang. You that?
3: I missed that. I was looking oh. at that.
2: Wow. Look at that roundhouse.
3: I know Kung Fu. That's <laughs> yeah. incredible. That will take your face off.
2: I'm glad you guys approve. And so do I. It's
3: like that fight I sent you yesterday, Kyle. <laughs> we, and they sent me
5: this world star link. I'm sitting in the, <laughs> in the car like, world star! That's what I see looking at this dude. Not
4: uh. impressed
2: by that one, anyone? We'll try this I one on one. for size. <laughs> Everson Griffin, Daniil Hunter, team up to sack Matt Stafford on Sunday. He got sacked ten times, by the way. Then they team up for a celebratory jump kick.
3: Yeah! That's pretty so cool. So synchronized. Uh, John claude Van Damme and Double Dennis Impact!
5: Robin. <laughs> double Impact. Nate, that's exactly it. So, Nate, did
2: they practice this 100%, right? Yeah.
5: Yes, they did. Because they synced it up so perfectly. No, Nate, I'm not thinking Van Damme and Robin. Van Damme and Van Damme when it was yeah. two big. Oh, Van Damme and, Damme and Van Damme. Double Damme. the Van Damme. That's what they're doing. There. I love it.
2: Double the Van Damme. <laughs> I love it that Vikings defense looking alive. Next up, the Bears defense. They had a memorable performance on Sunday against the Bills, so why not grab A photo to remember it forever. We saw it, you know, of course, the Saints did this last year. But it's Eddie Jackson, the rest of the Windy City defense, feeling some kind of way to pose for cameras like they've been there before. Mm -hmm. I'm loving all of that. Finally, how about a defensive player, guys, paying homage to one of our favorite celebrations from an offensive player. We saw it. We have to show it again so we can move on to the It's Kevin Byard picking off Dak Prescott (laughs) with an irresponsible throw, and he runs all the way to the star and does his best to impersonate oh, that's it. So, so
5: good.
2: it's kind of wild. I showed you guys all of that to say this. Hey, you, offensive players out there, step it up.
5: Step it up, guys. Let's go. The defenses are lapping you They're guys. They're lapping. Right?
2: Think of an offensive celebration that's like, you're like, oh, that was really good. Other than the Seahawks.
5: They're last year, the ones I think of. The mm-hmm. turkey and all that. Freeze <laughs> tags. All about right? defense. Right, duck, duck, gray duck. We, that's the bygone. That's the defense has taken over. And defense that was, was years gorgeous. ago, Kyle. Mm-hmm. It really was. Um, I'm going to talk about a different kind of story. I want to... Um, I've had a couple. I have had a couple of kids, a couple of different jobs, and I've, my employers have treated me differently when the babies come in. One time, it was just do whatever you need to do, get out of here. It's just, this is your time and special moment ever. And another time, it was to paraphrase, well, it's not you having the baby, you know, so you know, take care <laughs> of it, but uh, we're going to need you back here. I think it really says a lot about a company how they treat people going into having babies, women, men, everything. The Green Bay Packers are awesome at it. Let me introduce you to J.K. Hmm. Scott. If you don't know him, J.K. Scott is the Packers' rookie punter. He is six foot five. Out of the University of Alabama, Tuscaloosa, where he won two national championships, the Packers spent a fifth-round pick on a punter. And yes, Nate, he does look roughly 12 years old. (laughs) But he's a man when he kicks, and he's clearly a man taking care of his family. Because here's the deal: J.K.'s wife, Sydney, was heavily pregnant to this minute, by the way. But last week, for their road trip in New England, so much so that she was having minor contractions. So what do you do? You got to get on the plane. Packers draft me. I got to go. I'm the punter. Not only did he go the what the Packers did for him should be a, an example to every not only every team every other company in the world they decided We're going to get your own plane on stamp. Not the team plane. We're going to have a plane for you should while we're in Massachusetts, your wife called. That's your plane. We're going to fly you home.
2: Not only that,
5: they even took the extra step. They had two extra roster spots because of Ha Ha Clinton, Dix, and Ty Montgomery. They signed another punter just in case J.K. has to leave. They signed Drew Kayser from the Chargers, brought him in on like an alert five like Maverick to go up in case J.K. needed to go home. That's amazing. It's an amazing thing they did. Brian Gutekunst, the GM, this is J.K. Scott saying, Brian pulled me aside. Remember, this ain't Aaron Rodgers, all right? This is not <laughs> a rookie punter. No, this is not Clay. This is a rookie punter. He says, Brian pulled me aside and was ta- talking to me, talking to me, caring to me about my baby and my wife. It was so cool they would do that for me. Everybody was ready if the baby came. It's an unbelievable thing. A jet like he's an elected official, a rookie punter. He spends the whole weekend on the phone, just nervous as hell, talking to Sydney, talking to Sydney. The baby doesn't come. Yeah. They make it home, say Drew Kayser never punts. There's stories going on of a very reputable media outlet saying we're not sure why the Packers are signing a second punter. Something doesn't seem right here. Turns out they were just doing it to make him comfortable. He goes out in the game, punts five times for 42 yards, hell the hang time, coffin cornered wow. one, was fantastic. Where's so the I baby? Say, The baby hasn't come yet. They're going to induce this week. I think they've gone full term, 41 weeks. They're going to induce this week. But I just want to say to the Scott family and to the Packers, that's how you handle things. Very complicated situation in season. We've seen it come up before. And I would just – my advice to J.K. would be like, congratulations – Probably want to stay up by the shoulders. That's my only advice I would have. <laughs> I went down by the action. Let's just say I didn't have a lot of hang time. All right, that was my coffin corner. You know, it's to each his own. But that wasn't mine. And I would represent. I would. I would uh, direct you to maybe as names like Gutakun Scott. I think would just be a give the name love. as the thank Guta-kun. you. Gutakun Gutakun Scott. You call him Goody. I like. Kyle, that. I've met your wife. You did outkick your coverage, my friend. Yeah, I that know. And uh, Peter, special teams reference. Look at you, <laughs> no! unbelievable. Thank you for saying that. Right. Got to stay outside that halo, though. <laughs> stay outside that halo. That's it. World War Three. We don't want that. <laughs> no, no, no. But congratulations <laughs> to the Packers <laughs> and three. to the Scots. What happened to the other? It's a beautiful thing. He was released.
2: Oh, he came in. And he's support. kind of the loser in this story. Yeah, I was gonna say, Drew Kayser, shout support.
5: out to you two. He's the underappreciated yes. within the underappreciated <laughs> yes. Drew Kayser. Next week's story on job. Kayser. They flew him from L.A. <laughs> All the way to New England, he was ready, and then he's like, "Let's get that you baby." You the going. goats. Yeah, let me put some things on tape. Baby didn't come. Sorry. Maybe name him Kaiser Scott. Talking
2: about he's right. handling people being pregnant. I'm fully ready for him to tell us he's having another baby tomorrow. Well, I'm glad you brought that up.
5: No, 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 no. no. In fact, I'm doing just the opposite, medicinally. <laughs> Okie
2: okay, dokie. Okay. And on that note, yep. baby be Peter. It's time for you to add yours. Thank
4: you, Kay. Yesterday, I waxed poetic on the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to go with their division rival today, the L.A. Chargers. Ooh. The Chargers are six and two. They are winners of five straight games. That's great in itself. But the fans outside of Laguna Beach and Carson and Marina Del Rey know just how insane the Chargers' current road trip has been. When the Bolts played Denver in the StubHub Center in Week 11, it will mark 41 days Hmm. between games in their home stadium. I repeat... 41 days between games Mm. in their home stadium. And it's not like they've been playing games in their backyard or just in the vision. Just how insane is this current road trip that they're on? Well, they have been to Cleveland. They stayed there for five days. They then flew to London, flew 15 hours back to California, immediately went on the bye, then went to Seattle, and they are now headed to Oakland Mm. this weekend. So I reached out to my guys Josh and Brock in the Chargers PR department. I said, oh, guys, got. let's do a little math. What do we got here? They said 41 days, yes. But what does that really mean? It also means approximately 39 hours on the team plane as a group together. Mm, no, 39 man. hours on a plane. <laughs> on a plane. On a plane. Just just plane rides. Just time in the air. 39 hours. It also means 13,773 miles of travel between those two games in L.A. It means... Fifty-five percent of the distance of a trip around the world—those really? thirteen thousand seven hundred miles—you can go to the moon. Five percent of your trip to the moon is thirteen.
0: <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's I did right. the math. My Does man, they kick you up
4: to platinum. Oh, you should see Brock so in the is Chargers what PR was department. Doing? Brock, really? Is just, yeah, he's cranking numbers. Oh, way to go,
3: Brock. The crazy
4: <laughs> thing, though, is despite having over twenty-two nights in the hotels together, Yikes, twenty-two 20. nights in yeah. the hotels, and more road trips than you and your college buddies ever dreamed of taking back in your undergrad days. They're undefeated during the stretch. They haven't lost. Mm -hmm. They've seen the world. Literally, they have seen the world. They've been to Cleveland, Ohio. They spent time on Baldwin-Wallace College. They were in London. They went to Wembley. They saw Seattle. They did the 12th man thing. They went to Oakland this weekend. And they are still winless. uh, They still have not lost throughout this entire stretch. So what's Mm. it say about this group of men that they have spent this much time away from home, this much time together away from home, and this much time without a loss? Means the LA Chargers have something pretty special going on. And mm. dare I say it, this season could be pretty special too. The LA Chargers, you want to talk about a galvanizing trip? Yeah. Watch out, baby. The mm. LA Chargers, they've been already through it. They're on their way. Special
3: <laughs> season. I feel like we've said this before. Six and two now. I feel like we've been down this road before. Six
5: and two. Not making a joke either. is rivers also commuting yeah. on top of that? Yes. So there's that travel yes. and I mean that's nuts, man. Thirteen thousand seven hundred and seventy-three miles just
4: on the plane that they have traveled together in the last Six weeks. And
3: they're balling out. And <laughs> they're balling out! <laughs> Shout out to the tra- Big dude energy. BDE yeah. is what That's they always say. That's what they say. say, Nate. Shout out to the Chargers. Pete Nye, the science guy. Thanks yeah. for breaking yeah, it yeah. down, man. My man Brock. All right. Um, now, let's get to it. Now, we all love to see an old face in a new place, right? Khalil Mack, he's been killing it with the Bears. Kirk Cousins... Um, He's been leading the Vikings to victory after victory. Even new coaches like Nagy and Vabral, they have been succeeding under the spotlight in new places. But there are two players who changed rosters just last week who had a whole less lot time to prepare and still were able to thrive on the field. All right, let's start off with Amari Cooper, right? He was traded for a first-round pick. First game with the Cowboys' Monday night football, what did he do? He hauled in five catches for 58 yards and a TD. He didn't get the win, but he made an immediate impact right out the gate. Mm-hmm. Then there was Demarius Thomas, right? Let's stir this thing up. Traded from the Broncos, facing his team the next week, right? Revenge game, better than Kill Bill, John Wick, you Old boy. Three targets, three receptions, 61 yards, not to mention – him and his Houston boys—they got that dub over Thomas's former squad. Now listen, I tell you all that—I tell you all that—to tell you this: it's not easy to pick up a playbook and fit right in. I went from a system where it was based on purely numbers. Go into another system where it was specific vernacular. The same play, mm. numbers versus wordplay. Some playbooks, you pick it up, right out the gates, it look like straight-up hieroglyphics. And I am not exaggerating with it. You can open it up, and you don't know exactly what you're looking at because your mind is stuck on everything you've already learned. Now, the thing about these guys that gets me the most is that they fit in right away and made an impact right away as fast as they did. is something that we have to talk about. Now, listen. I'm sure that this is just the beginning of standout performances from these individual players. So... You can say that it's a decent start, and it's going to get even better. But my underappreciated storyline goes out to these individuals that not only got shipped away from the squad that they called home in a place where they were rooted, but they went and made an immediate impact just like that. So shout out to Amari Cooper. Shout out to Demaris Thomas. Oh, and we get another guy who was traded, Golden Tate, who mm. had himself a week off, and he's going to make immediate impact as well. So my wide receivers, I see you, man. It's not easy, but I appreciate you.
2: It's crazy. Like we're in this new studio. Like we have, you know. Gaffes all the time. Yeah. So we're just getting used to it. They don't even have that, they can't afford that with a team like the Cowboys or even like the Texans who are on fire. They have to leave their homes. Like I can't even ma- imagine, like, who's packing up my stuff? There's a million other distractions. Mm-hmm. Wow, am I leasing my place out? Did I buy a place here? What does that look like? You just have to leave everything behind and seamlessly try to fit in. Look at us in a new studio. It's not that easy. And the yeah.
4: playbook, that's so interesting. So give me, if you can, just humor us, an example of what one play would be called in a numeric mm-hmm. system versus another one in maybe one where there's a lot of word play in it.
3: Well, right out the gate, you can go with uh, slot right 989. And that's just basically going to be nine routes on the outside and eight route, which is your bender seam route. A lot of tight ends and slot receivers run that. And then you can go in a different system and that slot right will be called train right. Mm-hmm. And then that 989 could be called all go. It could be called All nice. It could be called something different depending on the week. If you're with a system um, like a coach who wants to be creative and doesn't want to give that away. It could be called Elvis. They can change the name of the play depending (laughs) on the week you're in. But what's frustrating is when you go to a team that has the same word, but it's a different play. And that's what it is. You can go one team when Detroit is a slant route with a flat route. And then a team like, well, we call Detroit something completely different here. And you're going to have to drop what you thought you knew and learn a new it's one system. One thing to have a whole offseason to learn it. Not to mention, the whole time you're thinking about, all right, what about my wife, my kids? Yeah, Where are they that's going to school? And I got to pick crazy. up these bags and I yeah. got to make sure that they're okay because I'm concerned about them, but I'm also concerned about myself. I got to make sure these fans know that I'm real and I'm ready to play. Oh, I got to play football and score touchdowns. Yeah, against my old team. Yeah, right. They just got rid of me <laughs> in my How much same does town.
2: Team help you in that quickly? Like, are they finding you a new place to live? Are they? Is, is that what happens? Everybody, like does. Just, yeah. That's, everyone kind of comes together. The NFL together?
3: provides a concierge service, and then there's people that's within awesome. organization to help you as well.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the Good Morning Football podcast. Make sure to subscribe on all our channels and come back tomorrow for some more fun. So, from all of us here at GMFB, have a good morning and a great day.